Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things below. And so I want to encourage you to take out your notes this morning for this message on you need to think about what you think about. We started last week talking about rethinking your life. Rethinking your life. And today we want to continue with that. It's so important for us to think about what we think about. Most of us don't think. We just don't think. Most of us allow thoughts to come and go as they like. You know, we have a sign on the front of our heads that says, All thoughts welcome. And they just come in one ear and out the other. They come and go. So our minds are filled with all kinds of stuff. We believe things that are not true about ourselves. We believe things that are not true about happiness. We believe things that are not true about God. We believe things that if God really could get our attention, he would say, wake up and stop thinking what you're thinking. You need to think about what you're thinking about. It's an effort. You have to consider what you're thinking about because otherwise you'll be in big trouble. So this morning's message, victory begins with rethinking your life. Before you can think differently, you have to begin thinking. You have to begin the process of using your brain. Some people, as is the case in life, will think, well, I just need to change this or change that. I need to alter behavior. I need to change things out there. And the answer is no, you don't. You need to change what you think before you can ever think about changing the way you act. If it's in your brain, you're going to do it. So you have to be aware of that. You know God has placed you and blessed you with a brain. Did you know that? (laughs) Your brain is so sophisticated, it's the most sophisticated computer ever made. Created by God on the planet and His abilities that he gave to us with our brain is absolutely amazing, astounding. You have 100 billion neurons. 100 billion neurons in your brain. Your brain can record 800 memories a second. 800 memories a second for 75 years and never get tired. That's your brain. That's this thing right here. Your brain. Your brain can store 100 trillion thoughts, listen, 100 trillion thoughts over the course of a lifetime. 100 T with a trillion, it's amazing. Animals have instincts and human beings have thoughts. You and I can think back many years, you and I can think forward many years. Animals live in the moment, humans live for the moment. We live now And that's not a bad thing. We enjoy now. We enjoy it. When you think about God, God created us with the ability to have past, present, and future thoughts just like God. God made us to be like Him. And one of the things that is part of who God is is that God has great thoughts. He says in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I have for you. Great thoughts that I have for you. Not to hurt you. No, I have great thoughts for you. I want you to consider this. 
in Psalm 139, 17, and 18, God says the following in the Living Bible, trans the paraphrase, How precious is it, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. God is thinking about us constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I awaken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. Thank God for his amazing thoughts toward us. I don't think about God all the time. Do you? He thinks about us all the time. His thoughts are always toward us. Let me give your attention to this passage of Scripture. I think it's online on the screen too. Psalm 119, 59. I have thought about my life, the psalmist says, and I have directed my feet back to your written instructions. I have thought about my life. So the place to begin on rethinking your life is to think about what it is you think about. It starts there. So today I'm going to give you a whole host of things you need to think about and consider as we begin this process. Here's the first one, and it's on your notes. If you don't have a copy of your notes, maybe you can just wave your hand and, and Carla be kind enough to bring you a copy. It's inside the program if you didn't get a program. Would you like a copy, sir? And we'd like a copy up here, too. Thank you, Carla. So number point number one is this. My thoughts control my life, but I control my thoughts. Think about that. My thoughts control my life, but I control my thoughts. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says... Be careful what you think about because your thoughts run your life. Amen. Run your life. In the first half of Proverbs 23.7, in the NLV, the New Living Version, Solomon reminds us that for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Yes. Also in the New King James or the New, New American Standard, it's similar. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You and I, listen, you and I are what we think. You and I are what we think. We are not what we think we are. We are what we think. There is a difference between those two. A lot of people think that there's something other than they are. They think differently about their lives. They think differently about who they are. No, you're not what you think you are. You are what you think. You are what you think. What consumes you in your thinking process about you, that's who you are. What involves you in your thinking process determines everything else. Very important for us to remember that. So my thoughts control my life, but I control my thoughts. What an incredible privilege for us to realize that we have the ability to control our, our lives by the grace of God, and He's given us a computer model system to do that our brains set your mind on things above not on things below yes. point number two any change i want in my life must start in my mind any change i want in my life must start in my mind 
If you want to make a change in your life, whatever it is, it has to start here where you think. Some people think, well, I'll just change my circumstances. If you don't change your mind, your circumstances will only take a short while before they'll degrade back to right where you are and the way you think. Any change I want in my life must start in my mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He says, do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Uh, This is important when you think about the truth that we're talking about because if I want to begin a process of changing my behavior, I've got to start changing my thinking. I have to think differently before it changes my behavior. Some people say, I just just cannot. For example, I just can't read the Bible. I just can't do it. Well, you have a thinking problem, not an action problem. You have to start thinking differently, and it will change that as well. It is critical for us to think about this and to deal with it. There's a couple things. Either you're going to be conformed or you're going to be transformed, one or the other. You're either going to be conformed, and you don't need to do a whole lot to be conformed. Our world, because we don't think, and people don't think often, our world is flooded with people who are not thinking. They're just like the mob. You know, They just go along to go along. They think this, they think that. They think thoughts about stuff that are not even true to the word or true to what God wants. So they think them, and they think they're okay because the society just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. So you have to stand up against that. You have to stand up against that. You want to change your behavior, you've got to change your mind. In the King James Version of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus declares in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Listen to the paraphrase of that passage in the the, uh, Living Bible. He says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart, put right. Then you can see God on the outside world. People say, I don't see God. I don't experience God. Well, do you want the experience? Well, in order for that to happen, there has to be a change in the way you think. There has to be a change in in what you think about. So that's point number two. Point number three is this. I can change how I feel by changing how I think. I can change how I feel by changing how I think. David made this statement in Psalm 42 and verse 6. He says, my heart is breaking, so I turn my thoughts to God. Is life crumbling? Turn your thoughts toward God. He is stable and unmovable. Jonah made the following statement. You know, Jonah had a lot of trouble, and Jonah was a a rebellious character. But anyway, it says in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7, when I'd lost all hope, I turned my thoughts to the Lord. So I have a quick thing to suggest to you. Why wait until then? Why wait until you've lost all hope? Why wait until your life is crushing in? Why not begin changing what you think now and it will change the way you feel later? Look at this. 
he's, he's telling us that we can think, feel, and act. Most of us want to change the way we're acting. We want to change behavior. You don't change behavior. Behavior is impacted by how you feel. And feelings are impacted by thoughts. So our, th our thinking process determines ultimately our actions. You have to think differently to feel differently. Feel differently, it will change action as a result of that. So I can change how I feel by changing what I think. What I think. Do you think that you are a nobody? You'll be a nobody. You feel like you're a loser? You're going to be a loser. Do you feel like you're not important? Then you will experience that in your life. But the Bible doesn't teach us any of that about us. The Bible teaches us that we are precious in His sight. The Bible teaches us that we are valuable. The Bible teaches us that we have purpose and we have the, the ability for us to do things that nobody else can do, just you. And God has given you that privilege. So think different thoughts and you'll feel differently and feeling differently will result in different actions. It's a critical thing. Welcome. It's critical. So you and I need to think different so we'll feel different, feel different so that we can act different. Number four, every behavior is based on belief. Every behavior is based on belief. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Think carefully about your behavior. Your behavior. Every behavior is, is belief, is based on a belief. It's based on what you think. It's based on the things that you're thinking in your head. Proverbs 14 verse 15, he says, A foolish person will believe anything, but a wise person thinks about what he does. What are you believing right now? What is in your belief system right now? What, it is it, what is it that you are believing at this moment? You need to think about that. You need to ask yourself that question because every behavior is based on a belief. For example, some of you um, perhaps have, th have been thinking about losing weight. And so you, you're thinking about all the calories. You're thinking about all the stuff. You're thinking about all the actions that you have to stop doing and the stuff you have to start doing. You're thinking about all that, and the more you press into that, the less successful you are. The more struggle there is. Because that's a belief system. You need to think differently, to feel differently, to act differently. So it, it, it really flows out of that. So what am I believing? Point number five is really critical. Anytime that I sin, anytime I'm involved or in, in, in a process of sinning, at that moment in my sin, I am believing a lie. I am believing something that's not true, whether it's about me, whether it's about God, whether it's about other people. So anytime I sin at that moment, I'm believing a lie. Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says, There are many ways that we think are right but they lead to death. There are many ways that we think are right, but they lead to death. You know, you think about death and people think it's, it's terminal. It is. But most people think about death in terms of the end of life. When it comes to spiritual things, it's helpful and it would help also if you thought about it this way. 
Death is the absence of life. So if you're doing things that are wrong, it'll, be, it'll result in the absence of the life of God in your, in your life. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, a lot of people really believe that whatever is going on in their lives is the result of somebody else's fault or some situation or whatever in the world. Listen to this. Temptation comes from the lure of our own inner desires. It starts where? Inside. Right. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and the actions lead to death. So the question you need to ask yourself is this, what lie am I believing right now? What lie am I believing right now? For example, uh, just as a small example, but let's just use this as one. You have a car, and your car is giving you lots of trouble. Now, if, if you're not having a lot of trouble and you have a car that works fine, that's great. But if you have a car that has trouble with it, then one of the things that you think about is, I just have to change my car. Change the car and everything will be fine. Or sometimes in a relationship, a husband or wife, they'll say, all I have to do is change my partner, you know, just do a switcherooser, whatever. And everything will be just fine. The trouble is that you're still there. You're still going with the, pro- with, the, with the agenda, so you have problems no matter what. Anyway, he, he talks about the fact that temptation comes from within first and foremost, and it's attached to that which is outside. And then when those two come together, it gives birth, James chapter 1 says, and it results in the absence of life. It results in death. What am I believing right now? What are you believing right now? in terms of your life, in terms of the situation that you might be in. Point number six is this. There is an unseen war going on in and for my mind. The greatest place of all is your mind. The battle is in your brain. The battle is in what you're thinking, what you're focusing on. If you fill your mind with stuff that doesn't make sense, that's not biblical, you're going to have trouble, lots of trouble. If you fill your mind with, the, with biblical truth, with the Word of God, there will be a difference. So there's an unseen war. There is a massive war going on for the control of your mind. In Romans chapter 7, 21 to 23, it says the following. It seems to be a fact that while I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I want to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin inside me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. The question is this. Am I prepared for this battle? Do I realize I'm in a war? You're in a war. The evil one wants to control you and consume you and to cause you to not experience the presence of the Lord. You and I need to recognize and deal with our rebel thoughts. We need to deal with that. 
I don't know if I don't know if any of you have have watched or learned learned much over the years, for example, of boa constrictors. Boas boas are are pretty amazing, you know. Uh, they they they. Uh, anyway, is a true story about a lady who had a boa as her pet. And she kept feeding this boa, and then suddenly she decided to stop feeding it because it wasn't eating the food she was giving her. So she's lying in bed, and the boa's lying next to her. And she took the, the boa to the vet to say, what's wrong with my boa? It won't eat. And the vet said to her, well, do you know anything about boas? Said, no, it's a snake, big snake. Anyway... The, the vet said, yes, well, they, they measure out the food that's available and what they want. And then they'll fast. They'll, they won't eat for a, a while so that they can make room for whatever it is that they see as that which they want to eat. And he said, another thing this boas do, have you been cuddling with your boas? She said, oh, yeah, I would cuddle all the time. She said, well, have you lie, seen the boa lying next to you? She said, yeah, the boa lies right next to me, and it's, it's growing. And the vet said, yeah, that's what they do. Boas will lie down next to their prey, and they will grow to the size of their prey so they can consume their prey. Anyway, the, the vet said, you better give this boa away because it's about ready to eat you. So it's starving itself because you're bigger than it's had food before and it's making room for you. It's stretching next to you to find out exactly how much room it needs. And uh, she was like, you're kidding. He said, no, that's what this boa is doing. This boa is doing what boas do. Well, in life, in life, you and I need to realize we're in a war and the evil one is snuggling up next to us He's fasting, he's stretching, he's trying to make accommodations for us so he can take us out. Just like a boa. So you don't want to you don't want to be the food for the evil one, do you? No. So you need to be careful. You need to recognize that we are in a war and we have lots of rebel thoughts that need to come under control of our mind. For example, for example. When you pray, when you pray, have you found, ever found that when you pray, your thoughts stray? You know, you're trying to keep them in line and they're wandering all over the place. Or when you want to ponder about God's goodness, have you ever noticed that your thoughts start to wander? See, that's all part of the problem we face. So we have to realize it's a battle and we have to focus in on the truth, focus in on what we're trying to do. The seventh thing this morning is this, to win, for me to have victory in my life, I must have God's spirit and God's word in me. I must have God's spirit and word in me. The two things that you need in your life are the spirit of God and the word of God. The spirit of God gives us new life. You need the Holy Spirit within you. And as you take the Word of God and you put it to memory or read it, the Holy Spirit then can bring that back. John chapter 16 reminds us 
that the Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance the things in His Word so we can experience that. And the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is strong and powerful. And if you keep thinking the Word and keep focusing on the Word and the Spirit that empowers the Word, the result of that is going to be victory in your life. Amen. Victory in your life. If you don't do that, you will experience failure in your life. So, think about that. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. We live in this world, but we don't fight our battles in the same way the world does. The weapons we use are not human ones. Our weapons have power from God and can destroy the enemy's strong places. We destroy people's arguments. And we tear down every proud idea that raises itself against the knowledge of God. We also capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. Make it give up. We bring those thoughts that are rebel thoughts and we, we cause them to surrender. We cause them to come and surrender. Or Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 where we're told if you're sinful... If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. Or John chapter 8 and verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Again, thinking changes feelings. Feelings can change your actions. Very critical that you keep that in mind. So when you think about these things, again, the truth will set you free. And the question you have to ask yourself is, am I listening to the Holy Spirit? Amen. Am I listening to the Word of God? Am I listening to the truth that's coming from God Himself? Psalm 119 and verse 11, it says, I have thought, thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. Amen. Or, and most of you probably memorized it this way, you know, your word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. Right. By word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. There is a correlation between those two. Number eight, my goal is to learn to think like Jesus. Think like Jesus. In the paraphrase, the message in 1 Peter 4, 1, he says, since Jesus went through everything you are going through and more, learn to think like him. Another passage reminds I'm reminded of says, have the same attitude in yourselves the same mind in yourselves that is also in Christ Jesus, the book of Philippians, or chapter 2 and verse 5. Your attitude toward one another should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Just think about that for a minute. We have an incredible brain that God made us with, 
And then God's Spirit comes to live within us. And the same Spirit of God that lives within us gives us the mind of Christ. And it's critical for us to think differently. And you don't have to, con you don't have to conjure up different thoughts. All you have to do is take the Word of God and think about the truth that's in the Word of God. You don't have to make up anything. You don't have to create anything. It's all done for you. The only thing is you have to focus on, on that. Rethinking my life is called repentance. Rethinking my life is called repentance. You know, repentance is an interesting word. I mentioned it briefly last week. It's the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia, it means to change your mind. To change your mind. In fact, on the, on the screen you can see that there's a U-turn signal to change your mind. I'm going in one direction, living my life in one direction, and I decide, you know what? I considered my ways and I changed direction. How did you do that? Well, I came back. I turned my thoughts toward, toward the Lord. Metanoia. So keep that in mind as you consider the whole process of, of thinking different thoughts, thinking a life that is, that is totally different. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, he says in the amplified uh, paraphrase, he says, change, he says, repent. Change your mind and return back to God. Change your mind and return back to God so that all your sins may be erased, blotted out and wiped clean so that times of refreshing and recovering and reviving may come from the presence of the Lord. If you want revival, change your thinking. If you want a new life, change your thinking. If you want to feel differently, and like last week, you know, you're tired of being depressed and you don't want to be depressed anymore, you need to think different thoughts, not conjure up some kind of a different action. You know, don't, don't take a... Don't take a moment and say, well, you know what I need? I need a couple of pieces of, of mud pie, you know, <laughs> at some restaurant or whatever that's full of calories and stuff. I'm trying to lose weight, but that's okay. I'll put that off for another day. I'll go have a couple of pieces of that, and I'll feel better. Yeah, yeah for about a moment, a nanosecond, you know, and then you'll feel really bad again. What I want to do, what I want to do now is to just take a, a brief moment and I want to give you, if I could, I want to give you the five, five steps to making a change in your mind. This is, all, this is all that we've, all we've been talking about is really a biblical precedent and you can see it here in Luke chapter 15. Because in Luke chapter 15, you have the story of what is called the prodigal son. And the prodigal son makes these steps in his life, five steps that are critical to changing the way you think and the way you feel and the way you act and the way you live. So when you look at this, it's not in your notes, so you'll have to take time to write these down. But I want you to have this because it's critical. The prodigal son, he decides that he wants his inheritance. You know, his, his, his brother and his father... He goes to his father, he says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Well, usually you get your inheritance when your dad dies. 
His dad wasn't dead, but he wanted his inheritance anyway, so he went to his dad and said, I want you to give it to me now. So his dad gave him his inheritance, and he goes off and he squanders it all, spends it all, wastes it all, all of that. And then he comes back and he goes through a process of making a decision, a repentant decision. He rethinks his life. Rethinks his life. These five steps in Luke chapter 15 and verses 11 to 32, but we're going to start with verse 17. You can read the whole passage later, but in verse 17, he has what's called an honest appraisal. An honest appraisal. You need an honest appraisal. You need to stop and sit down and have an honest appraisal of your life. What you're thinking, what's happening. An honest appraisal. He says, finally, he came to his senses. Critical. Before you can change your thoughts, you've got to come to your senses. You've got to wake up and realize my thoughts are wrong. My life is going in the wrong direction. I need to make some changes. Finally, he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired men have more food than they can eat while I'm starving to death here? So he had an honest appraisal. Now, you know, you can look at that and say, well, that's kind of pathetic. Obviously, he had a, an honest appraisal, but, but uh, how's that important? If you don't recognize where you are, you'll never realize where you need to go. If you don't recognize what you're missing out on, you'll never realize what is available to you. So here the prodigal comes to an honest appraisal and he says, you know what? My dad's servants are a lot better off than I am. An honest appraisal. You can start having honest appraisal thoughts yourself and you'll be surprised that some of them embrace them. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Secondly, he had a change of opinion. He not only had an honest appraisal, some people have an honest appraisal, and after they have an honest appraisal, they just get mad. Some people have an honest appraisal, and they just get bitter. They get so upset that dad would let him experience this kind of pain and sorrow in his life. So he had a change of opinion, not just an appraisal of his life, a change of opinion. In verse 18, he says, I'll go at once to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I have a change of opinion about what I did. I went and said, Dad, can I have the inheritance? He gave it to me. I left. Listen, God will let you go. God will let you go in the hopes that you'll come back. And he's always looking for you to come back. God is always on the, on the lookout for you when you leave some dumb thing, some idea, something that you insisted, this has got to be the best thing of my whole life. And God says, okay, go ahead. You go ahead. I'll be here waiting for you to come back. And while, while we do that, we can get angry, bitter, and all that kind of stuff, or we can have an honest appraisal, and then we can have a change of opinion, and then we can have a change of feelings. See, you change what you think, and it changes the way you feel. He had a change of feelings. Verse 19, he says, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. This is before he goes home. He's just thinking in his mind. I, I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and you. Verse 18, verse 19, 
I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Make me one of your hired men. A change of opinion and a change of feelings, number three. And then number four, he had a renewed action, something he was going to do. Remember what I said? Your thoughts determine your feelings. Your feelings determine your actions. So the prodigal goes through these three things, and he is now at the phase of action. So in verse 20, he says, he went at once to his father. Action, he goes. While he was still at a distance, his father saw him and felt sorry for him, had compassion on him. And he ran to his son, put his arm around him, and kissed him. So the dad's watching for him, just as the dad is watching for you. He's waiting for you to turn your head toward home. When you turn your head towards home, before you can take that first step toward home, God's there. Running after you. Holding you, embracing you, hugging you. Because God knows in your mind, He knows your thoughts. He knows that you've decided to come home and be blessed instead of cursed. So the dad runs to him, and then he has a confession. Just because dad ran and embraced him and held him and loved him, he didn't say, I don't have to go through with this. No, he went all the way through. He had to make this confession because it's part of it. Verse 21, then his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Anyway, at that point, the father basically said, just knock it off your home. Your home. They killed the fatted calf. They gave him the, the cloak. They gave him the ring. They gave him new shoes. They gave him everything, right? And the son that never left home was so mad. So mad. He wouldn't even come in and celebrate. And the dad said to the son that never left, Son, you've been with me the whole time. Everything I have is yours, not his. But this was our son who left and came home. He was dead. Now he is alive. So we celebrate with the one who comes home. And if you never left, you need to celebrate because all the blessings are already yours. You don't have to have any kind of a, any kind of a lifestyle of you know, the, the bitter and the famous, <laughs> the infamous. You, know, you, just, you don't need to go there. You don't need to go there. So these are the five steps that you take when you go through a process of genuinely rethinking your mind, rethinking your life. You have an honest appraisal. An honest appraisal. Thinking about who you are, thinking about what you're thinking. And you've got to start thinking about what you're thinking. You have a change of opinion. You know, this is not good. There is a better way. I had it better before, or I can have it better. You look at the Word of God, and the things that God promises are much better than the things that the evil one promises. He's a liar. He's always lying. He's a father of lies. And he's always telling you stuff that's a lie. He's lying to you about relationships. He's lying to you about what's going to make you happy. He's lying to you about absolutely everything. So don't listen to him. He is a liar. Honest appraisal, change your opinion, change your feelings, change your action. Go and make a confession to the Lord and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against you. 
And you know, the wonderful thing and the amazing thing is that when you take this action with God, God will always give you that which you need and the answer that you need and the word for your life. He'll give it to you. He's not trying to withhold any of that. He's not trying to make you hunt for it. He's not playing hide-go-seek. He's not doing any of those things. In fact, God has his answers for you out in the open, in big, bold letters. All you got to do is embrace it. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 2 and verses 4 and 5, Jesus said, I know your works. I know your works. He says this to the church at Ephesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You know, you don't love me like you used to love me. Things aren't quite the same as they used to be. You don't have the same passion you used to have. You don't have the same motivation that you used to have. You don't have the same drive that you used to have. You don't have the same compulsion in your life and the motivation in your life. You're probably thinking thoughts you shouldn't think. You need to think about what you think about. Start thinking right thoughts. So he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Remember. And some of you think, well, it must be a fall big fall, a huge drop-off, you know, from where we've fallen. It doesn't take very far for you to fall away from the Lord. Just a thought here, a thought there, and suddenly you find yourself away from God. So remember from where you fell. Repent. We just talked about the five steps. And return to do the first works. Remember where you were. You're not there anymore. You want to come back? Rethink your life. Repentance. Change it. Change it by changing the way you think. By going through an honest appraisal on the five things that we just mentioned from Luke chapter 15. And then redo the works that you used to do. Redo the works. By the way, these three things, remember, repent, return. These three things, you can use them for any relationship or for, for any situation in, in your life. Remember, repent, and return. So as you, as you take time to think about what you think about, as we begin this and continue this study on rethinking your life, I just want to encourage you this week to think differently. Think differently and do it on purpose. Think differently on purpose. Father, we thank you that you've loved us so much. And even when we went astray, even when we decided to have it our own way, Father, you let us go. You waited for us. And when you saw us turn toward home, you're right there to come and embrace us. And Father, we thank you that, we thank you that you've given us this incredible life in Christ. We pray, Father, that you'll bless each one here today. Help us to think different thoughts because our thoughts will change the way we feel and our feelings will change the way we act. Father, some of us are acting really miserable. Mm. 
by your grace, we want to feel differently. But our feelings are stuck. Our feelings are kind of like being in the mud with chains on, and we just we can't get out. Lord, it's because we're not thinking the right thoughts. Mm -hmm. So help us this morning as your people to begin thinking rightly, to feel differently, and then to act in a different way. Mm -hmm. We bless you today and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you don't know Christ, that's the first place to start. Doing an honest appraisal of your life. Recognize you need Jesus. Recognize he's the only one that can save you and free you. So invite him into your life. And then as far as your other stuff is concerned, it's the same thing. He's the answer. His word is the answer. The Holy Spirit is the answer. So don't fight him. Join him.